my name's Jade. I am long-time reader, first-time swabber. A literary swinger. A literary swinger. I, I've loved the, the variety of books that people have brought, and obviously everyone's like said how they feel, and it's such an emotional thing to read a book. And I've always, always said that it's the kindest present you can give someone to give them a book because it just gives them like a little escape from reality. So I've picked things that I've really enjoyed that I hope will bring joy to someone else. But equally, I feel like I've got little presents back in return, and it's just lovely. And I've actually got something that I've seen the film of and not read, which is Sacrilege. So I will read that imminently. Hey there. Glad you could make it. You have been invited to Arty Party. My name's Jay, Jay Sykes. I will be your host. This is a fortnightly podcast that brings artists and creatives together to make connections and celebrate their craft. Whether grassroots, emerging or established, anyone is invited. Together we chat projects and passions, events and exhibitions, artistic insight and advice. Today, the lovely James Proctor has invited me over to join his event that he's running over down in Poprex. It's called the Book Swap. But let's meet some people who are swapping their books. Hi. How are you doing today? I am good. I've had a caffeinated drink at six o'clock, so I'm feeling pretty excited. <laughs> um, well, I'm Auburn. I live in the area and I'm a writer and I'm an avid reader. So I come to book club every month. Uh, also, every single writing group in the city. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm really excited for tonight to get a mystery book. So I always like to challenge my reading taste. A mystery book. A mystery book. So we've all brought along a book that we've wrapped up in plain wrapping and just given a brief explanation as to what it is. And we're all going to exchange books. Basically, mystery date with a book. We've never been on a mystery date, though. Mm. Mm. I prefer a mystery date with a book, for sure. Less, <laughs> less risks. <laughs> Far too many crazy Tinder people out there. But, um, yeah, I can handle a book. <laughs> Should we head on inside? I think so. <laughs> I am James Proctor. I have lived in Sunderland on and off for a long time, over 20 years. We're doing a book swap at Poprex, and the idea of the book swap is that it's blind, so you're not allowed to judge the book by the cover, or by the title, or by the author's reputation. What we want to do is share books based on feelings. That is the feeling of the person who has read it and the feelings they want the people who may read it next to have. So people are asked to wrap up the book they want to share and to write upon it three things. The first thing is how the book made them feel when they read it. This book made me feel feelings. And I think that you should read it because it'll make you feel feelings too. The second thing is what they think someone else will get out of the book slash why somebody else should read it. And the third thing is a musical track that reminds them of the book or a part of the book is represented by this musical track. And the song I chose was called Feelings. (laughs) Anyone who's had a song called Feelings. (laughs) Now what we've done tonight is we've included a song with each book. So we're creating a playlist to go for the night. So um, actually my book has You Learn by Alanis Morissette. 
put another book here, as you ought to know, by Alanis Morissette. So uh, clearly there was something going on today. Why is Alanis Morissette so popular? Yeah. Wow. Um, but Great yeah, voice. So there's a playlist going on, um, so that's quite cool. I really love this idea that on the books themselves, the third prompt is to write a song that for you this book represents or that you could listen to whilst reading and then that's informing the playlist. The reason I did it was that I want to tie in where we host the event. So Pop Rex is a musically cultural venue rather than a literary one, which we're bringing literary stuff into, this, into the space. But the idea that from the event, people have the opportunity to have a playlist that can be shared that brings in the insights of 20 or 30 people who've attended the event, what books mean to them in the format of music. So you're turning an emotion you've had created through literature into somebody else's song and that's a really interesting music scape that people can have to journey with afterwards. It may be completely rubbish and may really offend people's ears and if it does well you know we tried it it won't happen next time but for now it's an experiment. Um, yeah I'm Matt and I'm here tonight because I wanted something to do that wasn't sitting in front of the telly for another night. The only reason I know about it is because the book club posted about it it's a book event so I'm here anything to do with books <laughs> you can find me at it <laughs> yeah I have no expectation at all I'm happy just to sit here and have a little drink and let the, the night happen <laughs> whatever happens it'll be nice just to be in a bit of different company I'm interested in swapping books recently <laughs> since I've retired I have read various books that I would never normally read I'm interested to see what I pick up tonight um, I like books, but I don't read as much as I should do, or I'd like to, because it's one of the things actually from COVID and, and working from home, because when I was in the office um, pre-COVID, I'd get the train for an hour each way and I'd read um, quite a lot, a different book all the time. Um, but since I've been working at home, I haven't read at all. So it's, it's something I need to do more of. No, we did them before COVID occurred. We did two of them at Pop Rex in the old venue and they were intimate events, similar to what tonight will be, but this time we've added music into it, which makes it a little bit more complex. I'm purely here as a reader, enjoying retirement. I'm very busy, but I do relax at lunch times and read books or at the end of the evening. I tend to have about four on the go at the one time, looking forward to picking something different up. I like book swap because it's like you're given a book that you found. You know, sometimes you read a book and you're like, oh, nobody I know has read this. I can't talk to anyone about it and have a meaningful conversation. So I think you can gift somebody a book like that and you can take a book away from somebody else. I <laughs> attend Sunderland Book Club and I'm in the Facebook group for that. And therefore I heard about it there from Helen. So this is Abby. Abby runs book club. Let's go chat with Abby. Let's go chat with Abby. <laughs> Hi, I'm Abigail Travers. Hi. <laughs> I'm friends with James who organised it. I like books. Here I am. Similar to like what book club is, it's people who love books being together, celebrating books, basically. I love that. I love a new book. I love collecting books and not reading them. <laughs> and you run a book club that meets monthly here in Poprex as well. Yes, I do. It meets the third Wednesday of every month and it's open to everyone. If you've read the book, if you haven't read the book, who cares? Come come along, find out about the book. And we have a Facebook group. It's just Sunderland Book Club. We meet here at Pop Rex at six o'clock. 
third Wednesday of every month. And then everyone who's been here will then have the opportunity to browse through all the books and select the one they really want. And hopefully nobody will pick the same book. And if they do, well, they can fight outside. <laughs> you bring a book, you leave with a book. Book swap. I'm excited to see how people respond to being invited to say, speak their books. Okay, everyone. Hello. Hi, thank you for coming. Uh, I am James. It's my fault you're here. Thank you. So everybody brought a book for them. Would everyone here be comfortable reading out what they've written? Because rather than everyone having to wander around and browse and try and read people's writing and say, sorry, what does this word mean? I can't read it. Uh, we will all get the chance to actually hear people's emotional reaction to books through their own voices. How about we begin? So this is one of the quick reads that I've brought. It's quite a twisty-turny book. I didn't see the end coming, which I think is always nice, especially for something so short. It, again, it made us feel a bit spooky, so we've got another a horror one. And the song I've chosen is There A Ghost In My House by Band of Horses. That's book number 19. Next, we're going to go with this expertly wrapped book, <laughs> which is book 04. <laughs> Whoever gets this. I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> Because I, uh, I, I forgot there were instructions, so not only did I not wrap it, which everyone else has done really nicely, um, I couldn't remember what the questions were either. So, I love this book because what it made me feel is in some ways this is a, a, a look into the future in a very entertaining, funny and also completely terrifying way. And how it made me feel reading it was one, fearful, and two, that I wished I could write one-tenth as well as this particular author does. We now move on to a bagged book. Hello. We'll call this book number 21. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> it made me feel compassionate and proud for the person that it's about. And I think someone else should read it because maybe they might feel compassionate and proud about someone else as well. Okay, so feels, you're going to love this, abject, but also empowering at the same time. It's not great literature, I'm not going to pretend it isn't, but it's an easy read, and I think it's a bit of light relief that perhaps we all need at the moment. Okay, so this book is not a usual book I would read. It actually made me laugh. It's about remembering that the grass isn't always greener, and that goals can maybe adapt with your life, and they're maybe not going to be how you expect them to be, but that's also all right. Yeah, I think I guess it just made us feel a bit more like not alone in the world, <laughs> you know, when things are going bad and, you know, a lot of like setbacks happen and it, it's quite a light-hearted, funny read. It's about a small town in France and it just made us want to go there and travel and see the world and look at this place and particularly the, the library that it's set in. So the song I chose was Paperback Writer by The Beatles and it's just an easy read with a, a lovely story. And it's about books, and it's a book about books. It's like a little Russian doll. <laughs> this book was a gift from somebody when I was going away for an extended period of time last year, and it was one of a pair, so I've broken up the pair. <laughs> but this book made me feel close to the person that I was reading with it because of this, we were reading it at the same time because of the story. It's very emotive. Um, you should read it if you want a mind-blowing ending. And I can't tell you anything about the nature of that. But if you like Japan, and if you like women, you will like this book. 
because that was number 512. <laughs> now we'll move on to this one here, 96. Um, so this is a true story about someone that everyone knows. And even though everyone knows him, I was still shocked about what I learned when I was reading it. Like, not in a good way, because he's a criminal, but kind of impressed. So. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, some people brought... Actually, a lot of people... Two people brought extra copies. Apologies for bringing their second book. Okay. This book confused me. I started skim reading it and found that I wasn't taking anything in. You'll understand that by the way it's written physically on the page. I then reread it and couldn't really see the point of it until near the very end. <laughs> so... It's addictive, it's quite thrilling, it's a fascinating study of obsession, and I would say that, yeah, read it if you like being a little bit scared by somebody else's behaviour. <laughs> so this is a dystopian book, and it made us really frustrated at how possible it could be. So when you're reading dystopian books and it's meant to be fiction and not possible in our world and our lifetime, but when you think about it and read between the lines, it's like potential and that made us annoyed on behalf of every woman on the planet. I think you should read it just as like a wake-up call as to what's going on in the world and how females are still treated, because this could happen. Thank you very much. Has everyone read a book? <laughs> like, in life? <laughs> so, thank you very much for reading out the books, and hopefully not everyone will want the same book. Um, and if you do, you can go outside and fight over it. <laughs> the evening will have two people reading specifically created pieces of text that they have written for tonight, and then everyone else has the opportunity to share their three items from their book. The lovely Ian Rowan. Hello, Jane. I hear you're reading tonight. I am indeed. I am reading something, and I'm reading a little piece of fiction inspired by swapping books. <laughs> Ian Rowan is... Uh, a wandering vagrant who has been hanging out at the University of Sunderland for, I think, about 97 years. Um, he originates from um, an amoeba and a copy of Dostoevsky's letters that's commingled in a swamp in Tahiti in 1972. Yeah, I'm Ian Rowan. I'm a, a writer and a reader. Looking forward tonight to seeing what book I might end up taking away to read. It's always good to have a bit of serendipity in the choice and was really touched that I've been asked to read as well. The lovely James Whitman. Hello, Jay Sykes. I'm James Whitman. I'm a writer, podcaster, nerdy dad. I'm not going to be reading because I haven't had time to write anything down, so I'm going to be ad-libbing a bit about the House of Hell. The House of Hell. Um, <laughs> James Whitman is the byproduct of a stray dog and a brain transplant with a very creative monkey. <laughs> See the real stories. Yes. Thank you, Dr. James. Because how else could I introduce them? I asked Ian and James to come up with particular bits of prose or poetry that tied into the idea of book swapping. What? Uh, <laughs> the book that I wanted to talk about, I think when James pitched the idea to me, it was about a book that's kind of stuck with you or a literary experience has stuck with you. And one that has stuck with me is this outlandish looking book, which is called House of Hell. Is anyone familiar with this series of books? They're called fighting fantasy books. They're the British version of choose your own adventure books with fighting. So I discovered this book when I was in year six. 
It was in my classroom library, Year 6's Top Juniors in Old Money, and it's the fighting fantasy version of a Hammer Horror book. The setup of the book is that you are traveling to a business and appointment, and your car breaks down, and there's a spooky old mansion on a hill, and there's lightning and a storm, and there's no phone line, but you've got to see if you can like ring a repairman. This was written before mobile phones and things like that. And I definitely shouldn't have been reading this at the age that I was reading it because it is full of things like this, things like this, and things like this. Um, a demon, a headless ghost, and a zombie, which is hiding behind a curtain. Good luck closing curtains after you've read this. So the reason this book sticks in my mind, partly it's the first one of these books that I read, and it's unlike the rest of the series because the rest are as the title suggests, fantasy books, more like kind of typical D&D style content. But also, there's a particular passage in this book that if you get to read, um, so you've, you're kind of wandering around the house of hell and you find essentially a tortured dungeon in the basement of this building. You have two choices about how you explain you out of this. Neither of them work. You are presented with the following horrible choice. Oh, a casual visitor, eh? Well, how do you like our dungeon, friend? Pleasant enough for you, is it? Having a good time? <laughs> Into the cage with this miserable wretch. The torturer's men tighten their grip on your wrists and frog march you over to the left-hand wall. And we'll show our friend just how hospitable we are, continues the torturer. What sort of accommodation would you like, friend? Do you want to spend the rest of your life crouching down or standing up? The torturer's evil laugh resounds around the room. What will your answer be? Will you choose the tall cage or the box cage? Can we have a show of hands? So a tall cage, that means you're standing up. Box cage, that means you're crouching down. Okay, tall cage has it. So a tall cage, the tall cage is lowered from the wall. The back opens and you are shoved inside. It is a tight fit and you are forced up against the bars as the door is locked behind you. One of the torturer's assistants winches you up in the air. You will hang, suspended from a rope until your stamina, which is your hit points, runs out from starvation. If hunger does not take its toll quickly enough, the cramps probably will. For although you are standing up, you may not sit or lean in the cage. Your adventure is as good as over. The end. And if you pick the other one, that's equally horrible, and you're dead. Um, so... I really like that because there's no good choice. You're just going to choose how you die. This little story is going to take a serious turn now. So at the point at which I was reading this book, um, I still live with my parents. And for those who don't know me that well, I was fostered from about the age of 12 when I was in year 7. So shortly after I was reading this book. There's a couple of things about this scene that stick in my mind because of how my dad was at the time. So one of the things my dad was very clever at was he would make me complicit in the abuse that he was perpetrating upon me. So he'd ask me to make choices that would affect the type of abuse I experienced. So for instance, go and fetch the belt was one, and then he's gonna hit me with the belt. The other thing he would do is he would set up these kind of impossible interrogations where he'd ask me questions, and whatever answer I gave was the reason why I was getting a hiding. There was no correct answer. After not too many of these types of situations, I figured out, there's no right answer. So I would just eyeball him. Like I couldn't, there was nothing I could say, so I just wouldn't say anything. I would eyeball him and make him do it rather than kind of blame me for doing it. 
And I think that kind of sense of like, sometimes the best choice you have is the least worst choice, but the one that you get to make, that was something that kind of, this book kind of sits with me, kind of is kind of doing the same thing. The other nice thing about this book, uh, which kind of takes the story to a happier ending, is for our first Christmas together, Helen bought an old edition of this book with the colorful green spine, which are the better editions, for Isaac, for his Christmas <laughs> book. <laughs> Perhaps not realizing what was in it, I don't know. Um, and he kind of looked at the pictures, Isaac's a lot more squeamish than I was at that age, and was like, oh, no, that's not for me. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the House of Hell in a nutshell. There you go. This is going to seem really trivial. <laughs> so yeah, James gave um, some nebulous instructions about writing something to do with a book swap or books or something. This is the story of a book. It started with Paul, who queued in Waterstones just before Christmas, all warm light and harassed parents. It wasn't the last thing on his list, but at least he was nearly there, apart from the wrapping and the cards. Had he done the cards for the neighbours? Yeah. And then the last food shopping and building a wooden pirate ship. Not full size, but it would feel like it. So it passed from Paul to Sal, badly wrapped, but bless him, he tried. She put it on the table by her bed, but it didn't get opened until well into January because there was so much to do. She was too tired by the time she got into bed to read more than a chapter, and there were a lot of chapters. But one Sunday, Paul took the kids out and she curled up with coffee and pastel donata and read it the whole way through. Sal pulled it out of her purse in a coffee shop and gave it to Kate over lattes, oat milk, double shot, own cup. You've got to read this, she said. I was hooked. It made me think of you, she said. And then she thought about the main character in the book and what she was actually like and hoped that Kate wouldn't take that the wrong way. Thanks, Kate said. I'll give it back to you when I've read it. But Kate left it on a bus with steamed up windows and bus pattern seats because she was fraught and harassed and forgetful and didn't look after things very well, which, had she read the book and she'd been perceptive enough, she'd have recognised in the main character. But she wasn't very perceptive, and besides, she left the book unread on the steamy 16. Anne got on the bus as the school kids going home got off and found a book on the floor next to two crisp packets and an elf bar. She just finished her last one and was a great believer in chance, so she picked it up, and although nearly put off by the <laughs> drawn in Biro on the cover, she took it home and read it, and although it wasn't to her taste, she thought her friends might like it. Not Jill, as she'd never get over the graffiti on the cover, but Fiona would, because she'd like the graffiti on the cover. <laughs> Fiona did, and she lent it to Ben, who read half a chapter and then pretended he'd read the whole thing and gave it back. So Fiona gave it to Sarah, who nearly drops it in the bath but caught it, which amazed her as she was the sort of person who never caught things. Sarah gave it to Beth, who tried to give it to a charity shop, but they wouldn't take it because of the cover. <laughs> so that's why she dropped it in a bin where Joe found it. Or at least he called himself Joe because he couldn't quite remember if he'd always been called that or not. But he liked it now anyway. Joe used the book as a pillow and once or twice tore pages out if he was caught short and had to go in the park. But he always took the time to make sure that they weren't exciting pages. Just, <laughs> just the boring descriptive stuff that writers did that got in the way of the story. One day, Paul stopped at the doorway and gave Joe a tenner to get some lunch or whatever. And Joe was touched and offered him the book despite the missing pages and the fact that it smelt of his hair. But Paul took a look and said, no thanks. 
I bought the same book for my wife for Christmas and had a look before I wrapped it, but it's totally not my thing. The next night it rained and Joe had left the book out, so it fell apart and loose pages slid out and floated down the drain where a small family of rats pulled them from the running water and used them to line their nest. But I don't know if they liked what they read. <laughs> Um, I have now kind of given everyone some books. Uh, if you're happy with them, great, and if you're not, well, you know, I don't care. <laughs> um, I would, there's, uh, so we'll start, I guess, with Julie. You have achieved book number 20. Uh, if you want to take it and unwrap it and then tell people what it is, so those who didn't get book number 20, now is your chance to make notes. Oh, it's like Christmas with added pressure <laughs> of an audience. Labyrinth by Kate Moss. And I like the look of that. And I like the name Labyrinth. And, and, and yes, three secrets, two women, one grail. Right then. And if you're getting comfortable, I shall begin. <laughs> I have got The Little Wand by Lynn Dillaplant. Rachel, you've achieved number 72. That's me. Which was your top number. This is the one that had uh, Led Zeppelin's Dazed and Confused. Like a guitar nerd waiting for the solo in Stairway to Heaven. Is it a good book? <gasps> you can tell. This is The Twyford Code by Janice Hallett which apparently is a Sunday Times bestseller. It's time to solve the murder of the century. And apparently, according to the Sunday Times, every page is a joy. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I've never read that. It is. Risk. The Science and Politics of Fear by Dan Gardner. James, you have achieved the oh, best wrapped book of the evening. Yeah, so I'll pick this one. Which is number four. Because <laughs> you could reuse that for somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, this is George Saunders' Civil Warland in Bad Decline. Strangely moving, hilariously unsettling, and unlike anything else you'll read this year. And it's fewer than 200 pages, which is the ideal length for a book. Sophie Kinsella, my not-so-perfect life. Perfect for me. <laughs> Life doesn't get much better than a new Sophie Constella novel, and this standalone looks at what really goes on behind our perfect social media feeds. Thank you very much. The Marlow Murder Club. I was looking at this on Goodreads earlier today. That's so weird. Fate. To solve an impossible murder, you need an impossible hero. Um, B. Treven, The Rebellion of the Hanged. And Dido's wife is dangerously ill and the doctor demands $200 for the operation. But where is a poor Mexican farmer to get that sum? As a last resort, he indentures... I'm going to need a, a dictionary to get through this book, probably, am I? <laughs> indentures himself to fell trees in the swampy mahogany forests in conditions cruel to the limits of endurance. But sometimes strength can come out of desperation and the mistreatment of Candido's sister provides a spark that ignites rebellion. So this one is Ooh. Ruined by Cara Hoffman. Each story is a wild universe driven by its own purpose, filled with terrifying elegance and a static harm. All the lovers in the night. Mm. 
I can never forget the sense of pure astonishment I felt when I first read this book. Escobar. Drugs, guns, money and power. The inside story of Pablo Escobar, the world's most powerful criminal. Is this the cocaine one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that was my first book swap, uh, and I adored it. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. I think that I hadn't quite worked out that it was a boarding system, so I just literally wrote down half the books that were there, and so I had no idea what I was going to end up with, but... Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think the, the more intimate atmosphere here was perfect. We were all apprehensive as to what the night was going to be, but I think we've come away, each of us, thinking, I really enjoyed that. I definitely have not reached for anything by Pablo about Pablo Escobar before, so I'm all about broadening reading, you know, knowledge and things. So yeah, I'm, that was really, it was a really good event. I, I think this is an absolutely wonderful idea. It's so lovely to recirculate things and to discuss things and bring people together. It's just such a joyous occasion. It's kind of educational as well because it's brain fodder, isn't it? It just ticks every box for me. So that makes me very happy. It's such a good group of people. I think it's just a really nice environment to be in as well. A lot of fun. The fact, one, that people had to speak and describe the book, two, to listen to what people thought of books when giving them away and also the reactions when they got them. I think it was a great night. It's almost like sharing a little part of the inside of yourself. Because we, we take them in and we, we submerge ourselves in whatever world is in between the pages, in between the cover. And it's almost kind of like saying, I give you this experience to somebody else. Seeing the recipient is a different thing entirely than giving it to a second-hand shop and not knowing what happens to it. And especially the book I brought tonight, the person was like, oh, I love this person. So that's brilliant that, you know, it's made my day that someone is an appreciative receiver. I'm Rachel. I've never been to a book swapping event, but I have always swapped books with people. So it just in a more loose way, you know, go, oh, I thought you might enjoy this or whatever and hand it on. But I did used to run a second-hand bookshop for a charity. And I think what Julie says is absolutely spot on about your, you submerge yourself, you immerse yourself in this world and then you can pass it on to someone else. They are going to get something completely different from that. And when I was running the charity bookshop, that was something that happened quite a lot with customers who'd come in and they'd be browsing and they would chat to someone else and go, have you ever read this? And like, oh, I'm just donating this, but you might want to buy it, you know, or whatever. So I think you're kind of passing it on and passing the knowledge on, but I think also, at the minute, everything's so fast. You're scrolling and scrolling and doom scrolling on your phone and you read snippets of stuff you don't get. You, you get immersed for about a second and you're not really feeding your brain with any of that. You're just going, oh, it's just awful. So to just switch off from all of that and read something that somebody else has given you, I think is a little bit more soul-defining in a way. So it's really nice. Yeah, you're finding something else out. I enjoy that. Yeah, it's good. It's all good. 
I hope they do another one. I'd love to come to another one. It's good. For me personally, like the, the work I do and being an avid reader, you're on your own a lot. And I think that I'm quite an introvert. And I think it's nice to be in a space with people who clearly are also a little bit socially awkward, a little bit kind of like, oh, we're in public, what do we do? <laughs> and it's just a nice, quiet-ish space to be in where we all have something in common. It's just that we love books. And yeah, I think that it kind of gives you that space to just join in conversations as and when. Um, but no, I, I think it's a great event. I'm not a big pub person, so I think this is a nice hybrid where I've had a mocha and a Jack Daniels. So <laughs> kind of works. And there's people I know and there's people I don't. And But, you know, everyone just feels like they're part of a big family. It's nice. I have been delighted to see people enjoying sharing books. And that is all from today's Arty Party. My name's Jay Sykes. Thanks for dropping in. Arty Party is made possible thanks to support from our generous Patreon supporters. That's audio producer and founder of Sister Sounds, Chantal Herbert, photographic artist Joe Howell, and visual artist Stephanie Smith. Fancy joining them? Our supporters get the mention on every episode of the podcast. Plus, you get to feel good about supporting our show. (laughs) And in partnership with Michaela Wetherill from Pink Collar Gallery, we're going to be hosting another speed arting event at the venue 1719 in Sunderland. So if you fancy coming together to do a speed dating kind of exercise, but instead of dating, meeting other artists and creatives, then you can head to artyparty.com to find out more. That's arty with a Y, party with an I. Why I? <laughs>